0: uh, like to wait so the glass.
1: morning it is wonderful to have each and every one of you here this morning I actually see some new faces is that right all right great welcome welcome to the chapel I'm glad you could come and worship with us on this Sunday morning our call to worship is hymn number 707 do not save riches here on earth where moths and rust destroy and robbers break in and steal instead save riches in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and robbers cannot break in and steal. For your heart will always be where your riches are. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is hymn number 99, What a Fellowship, What a Joy Divine, and it is in the red hymnal, hymn number 99. me this morning let us go before the Lord in prayer our gracious God we just come before you as we are Lord you know of the different challenges that we're facing the things that we are trying to overcome the struggles that we have in our lives and Lord you're always concerned about those things and Lord as we pray about those things for ourselves We also think of the needs of others, of family members, of friends, of patients throughout this medical center, of the staff that is working today, of the family members that will be visiting. Lord, we lift them all up to you because, God, you remind us again and again that you want us to have that communication with you about everything in our lives. And in that communication, Lord, we learn to draw closer to you. We learn to trust you more. And we learn to have faith in those circumstances in which we cannot control. And God, we always thank you for the times that we can pray to you collectively as a body of believer in your Son, Jesus Christ, but also as we pray to you individually. Because Lord, the Spirit of God truly communicates to us the things that we cannot put in words. And we are so thankful for that extra way that we can communicate you through your presence of your spirit in our lives. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 303, I Serve a Risen Savior. 303, I Serve a Risen Savior. reading this morning is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, beginning with verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us this wonderful time of worship. Lord, we do not take it for granted. And we are so thankful for the servicemen and women that we have served with in peace and in war that have helped us guarantee this right that we have to worship you freely in our nation. Help me, God, to say those things that we all need to say. In Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning. You know, it's interesting. I was away this week, and I was attending the denominational conference uh, for the church that I'm a part of, that I'm endorsed with as a chaplain, and we were in Charlotte, North Carolina. Has anybody ever been to Charlotte, North Carolina? And one of the things that they suggested for us to do was Go to the Billy Graham Library that is there. Everyone, anyone been to the Billy Graham Library there? If you get a chance to get out that way and you get a chance to go to the Billy Graham Library, I would suggest that you truly do that. Because regardless of whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ or not, which I hope you are, but if you are not, I think you will sense the faith and also the spiritual life of Billy Graham as you go through the library. I would actually say it's more of a museum than a library. But I think if you go there, I think you'll have a sense of the faith and the spiritual life of Billy Graham. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ yourself, I still suggest that you go because I think you get that sense of the spiritual life of the man and of the person. And as we were going through the library, I, was, I reminded myself how many times that I attended a Billy Graham crusade. Now, I am old enough to tell you that I've attended at least two Billy Graham Crusades in my lifetime. In fact, the first one that I attended when I was just a wee lad of five was in 1964 in Columbus, Ohio. And I remember actually going forward, I wasn't sure exactly what I was doing, and I'm not saying to you that that was my conversion experience, but I remember at that crusade, I went forward in 1964 with my dad. Now, I didn't know exactly fully what I was doing, but I would say to you that that was the beginning of my experience in terms of my understanding of knowing God through his son, Jesus Christ. And I remember doing that. And so I thought about that. I thought about the fact when I was five and going forward at a Billy Graham crusade, And the impact I think that it had on my life, I couldn't describe it to you at the time, that it was significant, but obviously as I look back at my life, and there's been many years now since I was five years old, but I think it did have an impact on my life and the direction in terms of what I ended up doing in terms of following God's call to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So at the conference this week we had a lot of cool things, a lot of cool speakers, in fact, Uh, one of the chief of chaplains from the United States Army who was now retired that I actually served with, um, Major General Carver. I don't know if those of you who are Army, if you remember uh, Major General Carver when he was the chief of chaplains for the United States Army. He came and he, he preached for us and he also plays the piano. So he played the piano for us and he also sang. And so we had a really uplifting experience with him. But having said all of those things, and I would say that I had one of those good, high experiences, you know what I mean, when you feel good about everything in terms of who you are and you just feel confirmed in terms of what your purpose is and the direction that you have in your life, but then we come home and the reality of life that is around us after we have some of those mountaintop experiences, we get hit by the reality of the everyday things that we have to take care of that are important and then we kind of have that let down, right, and we have those peaks and we have those valleys, yes, exactly, and how we have to deal with those things. In fact, one of the conversations I was having this week with one of the people at the conference is we were talking about the whole idea of prayer and how it works in terms of how we worship God. In fact, the whole week, the emphasis was on prayer. And one of the things that we talked about in reality of life is do you ever get those little things perhaps in a letter or in an email or even one-on-one when you're talking with someone and they actually say that they're going to be praying for you. Now, I must admit to you that there are times when certain people either put that in an email to me or say it to me. I kind of have my suspicions in terms of how sincere they actually are. And I ask myself the question, why do I feel that way? I mean, I should take that blessing and I should receive that blessing, but why do I have my own suspicions when somebody says that to me that I'm not fully sure whether they truly mean it or not? And as I examined myself to answer that question, I came to this one conclusion. It is because when they say that to me and I see the conduct of their life, the two do not match. Now, the people that I know, that I trust, and that I believe in, and their conduct matches what they say to me, that they're going to be praying for me, I truly believe that they are going to do so because their conduct and their actions in life match what they're saying to me. Does that make sense to you? It makes, I think it makes, well, it makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you. And I think a lot of times when we look at our time of worship with God, whether it's a time of community in which we are worshiping here today in the chapel, or whether it's a personal time of worship, we look at the whole idea of whether we truly believe God will fulfill what he says he will fulfill in our lives as we're worshiping him. But the scriptures that we have read this morning reminds us that our actions need to match what we are doing in worship. Our actions need to match what we are doing in prayer. And I think that's important, because I think we need to be consistent in our lives before God. Because that in itself is a time of worship. Now many times you have heard in this chapel, for those of you that have come for a while, and those of you that are new here, and I hope you will come again, you will hear that we understand that we are not perfect. We make that very clear, at least I do in my time of preaching, that you and I are not perfect, that you and I make mistakes, that you and I get it wrong. But that does not mean that we should not continue to strive for a better relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. That does not mean that we should not strive for a better relationship between each other as followers of Jesus Christ. Even in our imperfections, we should still keep trying. Because in those attempts, we actually get better and better in terms of what we're doing in our relationship with God, in our relationship with each other. But we need to make the effort. All of us fall short of the grace of God.
2: And we need to remind
1: ourselves and encourage each other that as we fall short, that we need to also be reminded of the fact that we can also pick each other up. And that our relationship with God is one that is never-ending. It goes on from everlasting to everlasting. So when we look at our time of worship, we need to think about the fact that God wants us to come to him. God wants us to have that attraction in our approaching of God. As I shared with you the story of when I was five years old at the Billy Graham crusade and I went forward, the presence of the Spirit of God in his life in terms of what his message was and what he was preaching reached a five-year-old boy. And that's where God makes himself available to each and every one of us, regardless of your age. Because there's something that takes place in the presence of God, in the spirit of God, that goes beyond our age, that goes beyond our understanding of ourselves, that goes beyond our belief in terms of who we are as a person. And it is in that approachability of God that God comes to each and every one of us, seeking us, desiring to be with us. And it is in that approachableness that the Lord wants us to worship Him all the time, fully and completely. And it is in our brokenness that we come before God. But the scriptures tell us to make every effort, to live in peace with everyone, and to be holy. And to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And once again, it's something in which our behavior has to match what we are saying if I tell you that you need to love God and that you need to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but my actions do not match that, I am in the wrong. I am not being holy. And therefore, because I am not being holy with my actions, the holiness that I do not have, no one will see the Lord. And that is God's desire for each and every one of us. And I think one of the attractions that Billy Graham has had through the decades that he has been preaching is his life has been one in which he exhibited holiness. And because he exhibited holiness in his life and in his actions, people were able to see the Lord. And that's important. Because when we are following a life in which we want to be holy, we want to desire our actions to reflect that holiness so other people can see the Lord, then we see and then we understand that as we are walking with God, we truly can be at peace with everyone. But what needs to happen first is us walking holy before the God. The God in which we believe in is the Father of all creation. The God in which we believe in that sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins and for my sins. And then we see and then we understand the grace of God. The grace of God. And that grace is something that you and I cannot understand because it does not merit any action on our part. It is given to us freely. I know many times when I've had discussions with different people, we talk about partnering partnering with other things, you know, partnering with people that are perhaps going to school and studying, partnering with people in business, because there is this, if you will, world attitude, which I'm a part of, where you believe that if you partner with someone, they will do better because they have an investment, right? Because if you give it to them free, they're probably not going to do anything with it because it really hasn't cost them anything to be involved. So they can easily walk away from the relationship. They can easily walk away from any agreement that they have made because they have not invested anything in it. But the grace of God is something very unique because God gives it to us freely. God is not asking you to partner with him. He is not asking you to invest anything. He's not asking you to make some kind of commitment. He just wants you to accept the free gift of his love. Because if we do not accept that free gift of God's love, you and I can truly not understand what it is to be his follower. Because if we think that we have to partner with God in some way, that we have to go to church so many times, or we have to give so much money, or we have to do something like this or like that, then it's not truly the free gift of God's grace in our lives. I know the best relationships that I have with people, my family in particular, is when they do something with me because they want to, not because they have to. And there's a big difference there. When you want to be with somebody versus have to be with somebody, there's a big difference. And when I'm with my family and we are together because we want to be together, not because we have to, the freedom of the relationship is there in terms of how we interact with each other. Does that make sense? Think about the people that are in your life the ones that you probably appreciate the most are the ones that you know they are with you because they want to be with you. They appreciate your relationship. They want your friendship. They want your love. And it's not a have to. And in the same way, God does not tell us that we have to do X, Y, and Z. Because if we did that, we truly would not be exhibiting the grace of God in our lives. Now once we embrace that free gift, when that grace becomes a part of our life, when it becomes I want to, then we find ourselves doing the things that God wants us to do, not because we have to earn some favor from God, or because we want to get into heaven and we've got to do these things because we think we have to do those things, But we do those things because we love God. Exactly. We do those things because our heart tells us this is the right thing to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we see in that process, and we are reminded that we are not to allow others to fall short of the grace of God. So when I see someone that I know that I have a relationship with and I see them kind of going in the wrong direction I lovingly lovingly remind them of God's grace and I remind them of the fact of when I have failed you hear what I'm saying? I remind them of my failure I tell them of my story walking out of God's grace I don't point any fingers at them on the contrary I point the finger at myself to remind them that as God's grace has been working in my life so God's grace can work in their life. And then we see as we go through this process that in our relationship with ourselves, in our relationship with God, we don't get bitter because we understand the things that we need to accomplish to make our relationship right before the Lord. We have that attitude of being holy. We have that attitude in which our actions allow others to see the Lord. We understand the grace that God has given to each and every one of us, the unmerited favor of God. And then we see within our own personal relationships, we do not have the anger and the bitterness that we once had. Because it is in that anger, it is in that bitterness that within our own lives causes trouble and defiles many. Think about that for a minute. When are the times that you have been the most bitter and the most angry? I guarantee you it's not when you were holy. It wasn't when your actions and attitudes reflected holiness in which others saw the Lord. It wasn't when you were walking in God's grace... And understanding the unmerited favor for you and for others. It was those times in which you were not holy. When your actions did not show anybody the Lord. When you were not incorporating grace in your own life because you could not forgive yourself for the things that you had done wrong. And so therefore you could not forgive anyone else that had wronged you. And you allowed your bitterness and your anger to step up and it began to cause trouble for you in the same way in my own life I have taken those same steps where I was bitter when I was angry because I was not being holy when my conduct did not exhibit that holiness when I was not taking God's grace and incorporated it into my life the forgiveness that he has for me the forgiveness that he has for you and it did cause trouble it caused trouble for me wherever I went because I was not right with God and I think that's what's important when we come and worship we have a time of worship in which the Lord just gives us that opportunity to make things right with him to take that bitterness and that anger that we have and to set it aside and for us to encourage each other with God's grace the forgiveness that he has for me the forgiveness that he has for you and we truly do want to live a holy life where others see the Lord present we truly do and because of the holiness that God wants us to have we do want to live at peace don't you? Do you really want to have the conflict that you have currently in your life? The conflict that is going on? I know I don't. And I struggle with it every day. But God wants us to live at peace with all. And God reminds us to do that, to have an action and an attitude in which we exhibit the holiness that God wants us to have. And that's where it begins a time of worship that we have personally, a time of worship that we have collectively as a body of believers in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it is my hope and prayer that as we go to God every day, that the approachability of God's Spirit is there with you, that you can sense and feel the embrace of God's Holy Spirit that he loves you and accepts you just for the way that you are, and that in your life, God will transform you to deal with those things that you need to deal with so you can have a more closer and intimate relationship with God because that's the ultimate goal that he wants to have for each and every one of us, to walk closer with him, to have faith in him, and to put our trust in him completely. Amen. Please take take a moment to prepare your hearts for communion. And just a reminder that we practice open communion here at the chapel, and if you believe that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're welcome to have communion with us. That's between you and God it's not my call That's your call and God's call let us pray our gracious God we are so thankful that you have reminded us that we just need to have a time of worship with you every day and Lord we are just so thankful that your spirit is there with us that you approach us with your loving kindness and your grace Lord, forgive us when we have been doing things wrong in our lives, when we have not been holy, when we have not incorporated your grace, when we have been bitter, and when we have been angry. Because, Lord, we don't want to live that way. We want to live at peace and freedom in you. Thank you, God, for forgiving us of our sins and loving us just the way we are. In Christ's name, amen. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 153. Abide with me, fast falls the even time. gracious God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us what we need to do to walk holy with you. And God, I ask that you would help us do that because we know that we cannot do it in our own strength and allow the grace that you have for us just pour in our lives so we can do those things that honor you and please you. And now, may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. (laughs)